0: The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, number 372 for January 3rd, 2012. Happy New Year, everybody! Happy New Year, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab, the show where you send in questions, you send in your tips, we provide some answers, we provide some tips of our own, and together we all learn a little something new about the Mac and other Apple products. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Fairfield, Connecticut, John F. Braun, and then back... In another part of Durham, New Hampshire is Pilot Pete. (laughs) Slightly different part of Durham, New Hampshire. (laughs) same elevation.
1: Yeah.
0: Yes, that's right. In TMO uh, Towers? Northeast. TMO Towers East, that's right. Uh yeah, so it's been uh we enjoyed our our week off. We enjoyed our our uh festive celebrations and uh and we're back to to rock it out and have some fun podcasting. I don't know about you John, but I've been looking forward to this all day. So, shall Likewise. we shall we get into this? Shall we dive right in here? Or do you have? Yeah, I was, I was, I was ready to. I was chomping at the bit. All right, let's all these great questions. So chomp away. All right, Micah writes. uh, He says, "I have a question about my new iPhone 4s. Despite some Googling, I could not find a solution for this. How do I shut off the preview alert on the iPhone for incoming text messages?" So, uh, and and I, I did some clarification with Micah here. What he's looking for is, he wants to know, you know, when you get a text message on your iPhone. Uh, it shows you the message on the lock screen and it could be bad. That that could be <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So who's um, uh... yeah. Well, Hey, look, everybody has their own reasons. Uh, so, it, it, but you can, especially with, with iOS five, you can, in fact, you can do all sorts of things. So you're going to start by going to settings notifications, And then in the notification center uh, list, you will likely find something called messages. It's probably right up near the top. Uh, So there is uh, there are uh, numerous options here. Three from the bottom uh, is show preview that will cause the phone to show simply text message and the name of the person who sent it to you. But none of the actual text of the message on the lock screen and in the notification center, which is the little thing that floats down from the top. Uh, alternatively, or, you know, perhaps additionally, if you don't want it to appear at all on your lock screen, you can disable the view in lock screen option, which is two down from the show preview. And then all you hear is the sound or vibration, depending on how you have things set, but you won't see it appear on your lock screen. The icon will still be badged. Uh, your, your messages icon will still be badged. Uh, but of course you can disable that too with the badge app icon slider and you can turn that off. OK, so there's one last thing, though, uh, if you don't want any sound at all when it comes in, you can go to settings sounds uh, and then change text tone to none. And then you'll never even know if you do all this stuff, you'll never even know you have a text message uh, and, and you can remove it from the notification center too. Uh, by, well, there's two ways to do that. One is to just simply, uh, if you go back into settings, notification messages, you can slide the notification center slider off. The other thing you can do is if you go to settings notifications, uh, you can hit edit and you can change the order of things as they will appear in the notification center and you can slide it all the way down and get it out of the notification center. And I'm going to confirm that this works. Yep. Sure enough. It works. So. You can take it right out of the notification center that way. So uh, this is, of course, uh, obviously we were answering Micah's question here about uh, the, uh, the the messages app, text messages. But uh, all of this stuff applies to pretty much anything that appears in the notification center. So you can you can use this to uh, to your advantage with just about any uh, any app that provides notifications. Pretty cool stuff. This is actually this is one of the
1: things about iOS 5 that's very cool that you can it's, it's nice. It's almost like being jailbroken with this notification center. It really is. You know, it's that's a nice improvement. It definitely is. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you play around with this, John? Notification center?
1: You know, I think I
2: I stumbled across it one day I had not. You know, this is a tip that I don't think I've shared. we'll, uh, we'll we'll find it. Um but no, I, I just one day once I upgraded to iOS 5 after, you know, everybody was dogpiling on Apple, just one day I, I, I hadn't yet read the manual or really been paying attention when they were talking about all the new features. And I just out of curiosity or or accidentally I swipe from the top to the bottom mm. on my iPhone. And all of a sudden I got this really cool, you know, it's the weather and my calendar. And there's a stock ticker and then notifications from the various applications, you know, and I got like Instagram and Data Man and. And and a few others here. Um, so the answer is yes. Now you actually just helped me find something, Dave, that's been bugging me for a
0: while is when Good. I do get SMSs. Um, oh, yes. And I just yes. found where it is. The well, one a- option I didn't mention, but it could be the favorite option of all. So go ahead. Yes. Well, here's the one that
2: uh, has always been bugging me. So when I get an SMS and I have the, uh, I think the glass sound. Okay. So under notifications, messages, I just noticed this setting and I just changed it. Repeat alert. Yes. Well, what always happened is I'd get an SMS and then I, th- I thought it was being sent twice because it would make a noise. And then a few minutes right. later, it would make the same noise. And I'm like, well, why are you te- either somebody sending the message twice, which is at first what I thought, but then I only see one message. So, so apparently the default setting is uh, maybe because it figures you may not always
1: be near your phone. You didn't hear it the first time. or
2: uh, Yeah. So I, I changed it to repeat alert
0: never. So now I can, because I just found it kind of annoying. It That is annoying. Yeah, yeah, that that and that was something that was not there in um in in the uh the um the initial version of iOS whatever and it what was. If it sucks. Oh, it's better once,
2: twice, three, five, or ten times. Why yeah, would you just keep bugging me with it?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, just can't that's right. Well I don't, you know, if someone works in a noisy environment or somewhere knows it. That could be, be out, yeah. To you know, oh, yeah. each yeah. his own, but uh yeah, maybe, you know, it saved me a couple of times I've gotten it and it's like, Oh, oh okay. okay. Before, but but I, <laughs> so I leave mine on twice. You do, huh? I do. Okay. I do. Cause well, that way, that- if I don't get to it, you know, and I hear something and I'm making lunch for the kids or something like that yep. and then I forget about it and then it dings, you know, 90 seconds, two minutes later, whatever it is, like, Oh yeah, yeah. Let me go look at that. Right. So, but if you look at it, then you don't get the second notification. It doesn't ding a second time.
3: If you look at it right away, you
1: swipe and look at it, then you're good to go. But if you just leave it and look at it on the lock screen, um, and you turn this off, you'll get that message. (laughs) You won't get the message on your lock screen, uh, as per the tip. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to be able
0: to customize. That's uh, that's what we all want. That's for the most part. That's what jailbreaking Uh, has been about. Yeah,
1: like like to customize. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, and speaking of jailbreaking, for those of you that didn't know, uh, iOS 5.01 on everything except the iPhone 4S and the iPad 2 is now available for with an untethered jailbreak. We it, it, it's through Red Snow, and we had an article at TMO
1: this week, or okay, last week. You like it? Yeah, yeah. I did it with all Lisa stuff. I can't do it with any in of fact, mine. There was someone posted in the forums, and why do you use it? And I answered that with about a half a dozen reasons. I still jailbreak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, it's good. It's good. Well, name one of them while we're here. Uh, the main one is customization, but uh, my favorite is using My3G, which kind of lies to the phone and says, yeah, don't worry about it. You're on Wi-Fi, and it doesn't adhere to the 10 megabyte download limit that right. AT&T sets on my phone. Got it. Got it. Yeah, that's okay. handy. All right. Uh,
0: okay, let's go to Adam here. Adam writes, hey, guys, I've been having trouble with the top sites feature in Safari 5. When the top sites opens, I do not see thumbnails of the sites. All I can see is the Safari logo. If I move my cursor over the thumbnails, I'll be able to see the website address, but I can't see a preview of the site. Any thoughts, John? Absolutely. So.
2: One, you may be asking yourself, what is this top sites thing that we're talking about here? And it's I'll that annoying it thing is.
0: that opens in Safari, starting with Snow or starting with Yes, Snow Leopard, right?
2: Well, it may, you can disable it, I think, right, but, but it's also, the default. It will, right?
1: Um, yeah, it is. Sounds like he disabled it. Yeah, it is the <laughs> default,
0: but uh but but most of us probably disabled it so long ago. Yeah. yeah. Cuz
2: I haven't seen it in ages, but if you do want to see it again, if you look in the Uh, towards the top of your safari menu you're going to see a little bunch of dots and those and that will show the top sites it also and then there's a tab at the top you can also show your history as well but it sounds like what he's having is issues normally what you should again
0: talk talk to me about this
2: all right so you see the top top of
0: the uh, safari window where yeah where it has like my my red green yellow
2: all right, and then you go down a little bit. You see like a set of glasses. You'll see a little book, and then you'll see a bunch of dots.
0: Oh, I don't see the dots. I think I've turned that off. So you have to turn that's
1: that your, back uh, on. That's your that's your uh, tab bar. What's it called? Bookmark bar.
0: Yeah. So yeah, Safari. You need a view bookmark preferences. Hang on, it's it's there. Yes. Well, that's
2: it's, on my Snow Leopard machine. I see it. Bar.
0: Right. Safari preferences, bookmarks, and then in bookmarks bar, I can turn on include top sites. And now I see a checkbox. Ah, um, yeah. Cause very I, I hated it so much. I turned it all off apparently. Okay. Cause actually,
2: so I, I, I think I have it on, on Safari on my snow leopard machine, but off. Okay. All right. So, all right. But that's a, that's a good tip for people if you want to see it or not see it. Yeah. So, um, but, but here's the thing I, I would think sometimes, you know, a lot of the stuff I guess is, is cached or stored somewhere. And I, I don't know if it really, matters where but it sounds like some of that data is is stale or corrupted or, or something's wrong with it so-,
0: so i'm actually seeing what what adam describes uh yeah. but only on about half of my uh top sites uh, half of them are showing you know a, a thumbnail of what the site looked like and then the other half are just showing
1: uh, yeah i've got this similar i've only got one of my windows is like that yeah i wonder if it's just out of cash or something
0: well, I loaded it, and then I came back, and oh, no. I have the same problem. So what, what's the solution, John? Help, help solve this for us. Well, I think this is going to be a solution for
2: a lot of problems with Safari. Okay. And what you want to do is you want to go to Don't the say Safari. Don't use Firefox. <laughs> right. Uh, well, you, you certainly could. You know, I got I to be honest. Uh, Firefox is my backup browser. If something's not working in Safari, Safari uh, Firefox is my second choice. And then between the two, it's got to work um but if you go to the safari menu you're going to see reset safari dot 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 hmm all right oh. well let's pick that and then if you look there you're going to get a whole bunch of check boxes and as far as i can tell it's identical or, or pretty much identical between snow leopard and and lion and what i would recommend is he may want to now it's going to get rid of your data but you probably want want to do this but i see two choices here that i think uh, either one or the other or both will fix the problem and one is reset top sites okay And then the other, I think, has something to do with it, because it sounds like this may be corrupted, is remove all web page preview images, and it sounds like those images may be kind of messed up. So So, that was my suggestion. I
0: tried the latter first, and that now I have uh, the screen that Adam describes, where all of them are
1: just the Safari logos.
0: Now if you
4: go
1: to TMO or something like that, you should be able to then go back to... Exactly. So I'm I'm going
0: to TMO, and I'm going to let the site load in full, and now I'm going back. And there it is. So, yeah, that fixed it. Now, I had one, for whatever reason, I was on the spec product site, probably because we were talking about it during the last show. And that one would not come up with a uh, with a thumbnail. And it still doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Some
1: images just aren't caching for some
2: reason. Yep. Now, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because you may be asking yourself, is there any way for me to empty the various caches in Safari? Right. And, well, the that menu is right next to Reset Safari. And there's another one, which I think is a bit more comprehensive. And it says empty cache dot dot dot. Also in the Safari menu. And I think that empties all caches. All that right. One's a bit more severe. So, well, try that one day. I am. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's not going to I don't think it hurts anything. It just, no. you know, it, it'll slow things down for a bit because it.
0: Did that fix it? I w- no, it didn't. But, you know, right. I wonder, I wonder if this has something to do with how the CSS for these sites are built. Oh yeah. Y- you know, um, because l- let me, let me see. Cause I'm going go back like to, to Yahoo or something. Yeah. Like that, Cause Yahoo, the, I think loads. Yeah. These all come up just fine. So I, I, I think it's, um, I, I think it, it has to do with just how some of these sites are built. I think
2: yeah. I'm with you on that. Cause you know, I've also noticed the same thing, Dave, sometimes when I, especially when I try to print a web page. What that's, I see in the that's print a whole preview. Different thing. Well, what yeah. I see in the print preview isn't always what I see in Safari. Sometimes it's a subset.
0: Right. Well, you can actually believe it or not. You can set um, a media type. I believe it's a media type. I'm, i a CSS guy. I am not. But uh, so I might get terminology wrong. But I'll get the general uh, concept right. And that is that when you're building your page, you set a style sheet. Or in, in these days, usually multiple style sheets. That define how certain elements look when they're displayed on the screen. But you can also create a style sheet for printing. So those same elements might be formatted differently or might not appear at all when being printed. So so that's why some web pages look radically different when you print them versus when you see them on the screen. So there you go. Um however I do have uh wow this we're we're all over the place today but we got good tips. So have you ever wanted to print a web page but um or take a screenshot of a web page but your screen isn't tall enough to take the full shot and so you don't you know it could you could take a screenshot of hmm. one part and then scroll and then take a screenshot of the other part and then try and, like, put them together inside, like, you know, Acorn or Pixelmator or Graphic Converter or whatever. And, you know, that, that would work, but it's a big pain in the neck. So uh, enter Skitch to the rescue. And I've got to find the right option. Obviously, I wasn't prepared at all for this. Does, do either You don't have Skitch on your computer, do you, Pete? I don't. Okay. So hang on. I have Sketch on the computer downstairs. So remote access to the rescue. There is an option with Skitch to go and grab the current window of Safari and simply have it um have it go right into the uh into the, the deal. So if you launch Skitch uh and go to the little gear, so Skitch is this cool little screenshot app. Uh I'll rewind a little bit. Skitch.com. dot com. It's now owned by Evernote. It is free. Uh it's awesome. It allows you to mark up your screenshots. You can do things with them. You can put little arrows on them and diagrams and circles and arrows on the back of each one, uh, except you have to put them on the front because there is no back to a screenshot. Uh, but uh, but once you've got sketch, like running and opened up, uh, you will see a little uh, in the upper left-hand corner right next to the minimize button, you'll see a little gear or or tool icon. And if you go there, you can, will find... Oh come on. Yeah, there it is. Uh oh where where's the Safari thing? Oh, I know it was there. Dang it, John. What's the magic here? I know Snap Safari. There it is. So it's about uh two-thirds of the way down. And if you choose Snap Safari, what it does is it goes and gets that web page in the view that you would get in your web browser. And gives you a big, huge, long, scrollable, well, scrollable because it's on your screen, but it's one image of the entire page. That's cool. Which is really handy if you're doing stuff where you need more, if you plan yeah. on displaying more than you could actually hold on your screen at any one yeah,
1: well, time. Yeah, will that span across pages if it, or does it just compress it all down? It's just one big, huge okay. image. Okay. Yep. Oh. Yep. Huh. Yep. Usually
2: what I do is I just go to print and I just that use that scaling factor until it fits on one page. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which that would you, you work.
2: Could, well, well the, the risk there is that you could get something that's, you know, in fly spec three, font right. And you can't <laughs> read
0: it. <Fly laughs> spec three. I love it. That's awesome. Ladies
2: and gentlemen, John F. Braun, he'll be here all week. I've just always heard the very small fonts refer to us as, as. Yeah. I but, love that. Uh, yeah, but, but that's where preview, preview, when when it does show you what, what you expect. Yeah, yeah. And of so. course, being all over the place, but the other thing I like doing is, so when you're on a web page, save as, and save it as a web archive, which is, is one of the formats. And, and you know, actually, that seems to, you know, I was doing some cross-platform work, and I, uh, as far as I can tell, I'm pretty sure that's cross-platform. When you save something out as a web archive, so if you go to file, save as, and web archive. In Safari, Yeah. Yeah, because I, I recall doing this on uh, bringing that file over to a Windows machine. And when I opened it, 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 it seemed to open OK in IE. It, it looked the same, at least for pages that are fairly static.
0: All right. What's next? All right. Uh, let's see. Um, All right. Let's go. Let's go to ah. Irv. This is a this is a, well, as they all are. This is yet another good one. Irv writes. MobileMe allowed large email attachments to be uploaded to the MobileMe server and then an email created in MobileMe to one or more people with a link to allow the zip of whatever file I uploaded to be downloaded. With the advent of iCloud, this service has gone away or will go away next June. Uh, What alternative service do you recommend or do you think iCloud will be upgraded to handle this useful task? Okay, uh, so yeah, let's not wait for uh, iCal, right? Uh, sorry, iCloud, rather mm-hmm. to to do this. So, uh, so John, what w- what would you do to solve this problem?
2: I'm gonna recommend a service. I've been using these guys for ages. I, I don't remember when they came out, but it, it was it revolved around the concept that sending files through email is not the best thing because email really was not meant to send files. Right. 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 And, and they, they do all sorts of weird things to get around it is that, you know, you have to do uh, you know, bin hex or you wh- whatever you have to, have to translate it to first. Yeah. So one is you got to translate it into a format uh, where binary data can be represented properly because email uh, or, or some systems uh, really are only meant to send text and not binary data or they may screw it up. And then as you uh, think you were suggesting, Pete, uh, a lot of systems, the, the payload is not going to be the. Uh, You know, a lot of email systems will limit the size of a single message. And when you're trying to send a file, it doesn't know that it's a file. It just knows, hey, you're trying to send 10 megabytes, man. What's wrong? What are you nuts? Yeah, right. (laughs) And it's going to cut you off. It may not either not send or may, you know, barf a message at you saying, you know, what what are you doing? Or it may just just fail. Um, So what I what I think is very clever, and I think these are one of the first people that did this is you send it. So what they did is they combined email and a web browser. Because the nice thing about a web browser is a web browser HTTP uh, can upload and download files with no size restrictions. Uh, and so, so what they what they have, and they still have a free plan here. Though they're, they're they're reducing the capability. So, and I still have an account here. So they have something called uh, You Send It light. What it allows you to do is uh, send a file up to a maximum of fifty megabytes. That that you know, which hey, for free, that that's okay. Yeah. Um, and and then what happens is it stores the file for a certain amount of time on their servers. And then what happens is you send an email and then when the people get the email, they go to the, you send it server and download the file using their browser. And that's a good way to do it. Uh, and, and also the maximum is two gigabytes. So I guess it, you know, sits on their server for a while. So, so you can't do a lot. And then they have various plans here. They got a pro plan. That's 10 bucks a month. and, And that gives you both more storage and greater file size. And also gives you, you know, confirmation and, yeah, uh, you know HTTPS. I think they they had you know more security, and so so that's uh, that whole concept. Now, you send it is the only one I know. If if anybody knows of any, uh, I know there are similar services that aren't you send it. Well, there's um, actually quite a few, and, and I want to point out, John, that uh, use the that use the browser as the mechanism for yep. uploading and downloading the files.
0: Okay, yep. So, but, but uh, importantly, I want to make sure people understand that they are going to y o u s e n d i t dot com because that yeah. version of you send it is what John's talking about here. If you go to the letter U. S E N D I T dot com. It will simply redirect you to IBM dot com's homepage. So clearly they're sitting on a domain for potentially a future service. Uh. Yeah. So, uh, so make sure you go to Y O U Send It dot com and that works. Um, there are a couple of others. Drop Send is one. Uh, you can do it up to uh, two gigabytes. Uh, they they have different levels of of uh you get to send five per month it for their free version but you can send two gigabyte files through drop send so that's worth checking out. Uh, Mediafire lets you use uh let's see let's let's look at their their pricing here it's a similar thing and uh, I think oh they're not going to tell me how big it is uh, they say you can upload as much as you want um, so there you go. That, that's what they're saying. They're not being entirely clear. Okay, here we go. So uh, you can, ah, okay. So MediaFire is up to 200 megabytes for free. Uh, the, the And then for 10 bucks a month, you get four gigs. And 50 bucks a month, you get 10 gigs per file. Uh, so there you go. So that's MediaFire. And then SendSpace is yet another one. Uh, who requires a, a sign up, but I believe they are. Uh, I think it's I think it's uh, uh, you can send for free if you don't mind seeing ads is how it seems to work. Mm-hmm. So that's send space. And lastly, uh transferbigfiles.com. dot com. So yet another one of these. Where you get 100 megs worth uh, transfer big files is interesting because you can keep adding files to it and then just send them all hmm. at once. So I'd check out drop send. If you want to, if you're you send it is the one, obviously uh, we use it here. I, I use it to send the AAC file to Michael Johnston each time around. And, uh, and it's been working well for us for what, six years now. But, uh, but if you want something a little bigger, I'd try, I'd check out drop send.
4: Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. yeah. Right. Cause yeah, I came up with most of the ones you mentioned. I, I just did a Google for HTTP file transfer service. Uh huh. And most of the ones you mentioned came up, so that's one option. And I guess the other option is you have all these cloud services. You know, of course, our uh, one of the first and foremost, and I think our, our favorite is uh, Dropbox, and they they allow you the I don't think they allow you to do a public to send a public link, and I think it's accomplishing pretty much the same thing. That's right. Or you, sure you, have to you put a file in Dropbox. And then then you got a link. Oh, right. OK, you can do that, too. So so that's another option is rather than these browser based solutions is to use one of these cloud file services that I think almost all of them will offer a way to create a browser link to a file in the cloud. And, you know, of course, there's Dropbox, SugarSync, I think Box.com and PogoPlug are the four that come to my mind the, that I think are the four Box are the Net. most popular. Box.net, isn't it? They're not Box.com. Oh, okay. oh, are they really? Well, uh-huh. try to go to Box.net and see what happens. <laughs>
1: I'm afraid to.
2: <laughs> Don't be afraid. I wouldn't lead you wrong. Okay. Pete, just saying, <laughs> no, I got an announcement the other day. They were like, we've changed from box.net to box.com. I'm like, mm, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. I, I kind of like .dot net, but yeah, so yeah. they, they just redirect, but it's the same. And, well, and remember all these when, services- when
0: Dropbox started, they did not have dropbox.com. They were get dropbox.com. Right, 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 right. Yeah. All right. Uh, our first sponsor for this show is smile software. That's SmileSoftware.com and I love when we get to talk about this one. It's text expander time. Text expander is this awesome utility that I can't imagine living without. The concept behind text expander is really simple. You have all these little things that you type all the time. Maybe your address, maybe an email signature, maybe a sign off. Maybe you've got some semi form letter that you wind up typing a lot or, or some text that you wind up using all the time at work or at home. Well, the idea is you type it once and either type it into text expander or type it in your favorite app and then paste it into text expander and give it a shortcut, give it a snippet. So if you've got like uh, i I've I've used this example before, but you know, I have my address and I have John's address both in, in text expander. So I don't have to retype them, nor do I have to think about them. And for John, I type comma J B a D D and bam, his address comes out fully formatted carriage returns, everything good to go. I don't have to think about it. I know I've got it right. And I didn't have to go anywhere to look it up. Same with mine. I've got comma D H A D D, and boom, out comes my address. I've got it with my signatures for email. Uh, I've got it with sign offs. I've got it with all kinds of different. Th- I have my phone numbers in there. Uh, if you trust yourself, you, I guess you could put your credit card numbers in there. But uh, but uh, you know you, your mileage may vary. You might wind up shopping too much, and uh, well, maybe that's a good thing. Help spur the economy. Buy Text Expander,
1: put your credit card in, and buy everything else. There you go. Uh, I didn't use it for forms and stuff. I have like, comma F for my first name, comma L for my last name, uh, comma ST, gets, puts in my street, comma Z. That's Those are my yeah, abbreviations. Yeah, there you go. The zip, so I can bang right through for my phone numbers, all that kind of stuff. And I've saved over four and a half hours and 77,000 typing characters with my Text Expander. That's outstanding. I love it.
0: So check it out, te- smilesoftware.com. Of course, you can download a free trial. Uh and then when you're ready to buy it's 35 bucks actually you save a nickel it's 34.95 and you buy it right there. Uh Text Expander Touch is also available for your iOS devices. Now you've got to use apps that have Text Expander Touch support built in to get the full experience, but you can go in and type uh an email or an SMS inside Text Expander Touch and then have it sent out from there too and you can check that out on the App Store for 4 99 so check them all out Smilesoftware.com and and uh, text expander and text expander touch Two really useful and I, I it's text expander is like one of the first five apps I put on my Mac or any Mac that I'm setting up for me uh, and so uh, so I recommend you check it out text expander smilesoftware.com. all right John uh, so I did something interesting over the holidays that kind of matches up with Michael's question here And that is I turned on iTunes match again. Uh, And I've had some some interesting things with it. And we're going to talk about Michael's interesting things. In fact, we'll talk about Michael's first. He writes, I have a couple of iTunes match match issues that are puzzling me. So far, I've uploaded about 300 tracks, taking my time to do what I can before actually uploading in order to correctly identify artists and albums. In the process, I usually bounce the tracks against Music Brains Picard and uh or research on google and amazon to run down correct info and artwork i have maybe seven thousand more tracks to go so i'm really interested in determining what i may be doing wrong early on most of my music is a mix of big band swings singers and standards from the early 40s 50s and 60s folks folk music from the 60s 70s and 80s and a mixed bag of light rock up to current day along the way some classical and new age Usually by the time I'm ready to move the tracks out of my working folder and into the iTunes Automatically Add to the Library folder, I have artwork for all the tracks and at least title, artist, album, and genre. iTunes does its thing pretty quickly, and voila, there they are in iTunes matches library. One thing is, sometimes the artwork disappears for uploaded tracks. I've gone so far as to go into iTunes and reapply the artwork directly. Sometimes that works, but once in a while, other tracks in the cloud seem to disassociate (laughs) from their artwork. I've seen no rhyme or reason. After a while, I changed the procedure and waited until iTunes imported new tracks, and then and only then did I apply the artwork. The occasional disappearing act persists. The second issue is iTunes almost never finds a match for my tracks, even after going through the effort to correct the metadata and attach album artwork. I would guesstimate maybe 90% of my music is simply uploaded because iTunes match doesn't know what it is. Now I can understand why it may burp on that live air check of the Artie Shaw band from 1939, but it can't identify and find studio tracks from Emmy Lou Harris or Willie Nelson or Neil Young. That seems odd to me. Okay. Uh, and he says, How come iTunes Match can't find these, but other things can't? So it sounds like so iTunes Match, when, the, the concept here is it takes a look at what you have. And then compares that against what they have in their cloud servers, and if the match isn't there, then it uploads it, so you can still have access to your music. Uh, the way it does this matching is a, a a couple of different things altogether. It looks at your uh, ID3 tags, which are your the, the 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 data that you've added in the metadata, the title, the artist name, the album name, maybe the year, maybe the genre and then it also looks at uh the it, it does a wave sample like a waveform sample of your uh, of your file and sort of compares that against but i think it starts with the id3 stuff so if that stuff isn't right or is in some sort of a weird format it's not going to work i would recommend using something called tuneup at tuneupmedia.com i know a lot of people have thrown their itunes libraries against this and had it match up everything uh, prior to going to iTunes match and it's worked out really, really well. So, so that, that would be the first thing I would try for you there, Michael. Um, and hopefully it's going to find more than, more than just 10% of, uh, of your music. I found, uh, I guess I guess I found about 60 to 70% of what I have, but I've got a lot of, you know, live stuff that, that hasn't ever been really released and that sort of thing. So, uh, so that, that seemed about right for me, but, um, but yeah, 10% seems low. Have either one of you guys played with iTunes match or am I Haven't. on my own? With oh, the no. Okay.
1: Be interested. In
0: yeah. So it, it's actually been pretty good. Now there is a trick because one of the things that's frustrating about iTunes match is that when you, once you do this on your computer, then of course you go and enable iTunes match on your iOS devices. Once you've done that, there is no more syncing of music between your computer and your iOS devices directly via USB like you are used to. Uh, But the way you get music onto these devices is you just go into your music library and you'll see everything that's out there, including the stuff that's not on your device. And you can actually turn that off whether you want to see the extra stuff or not. But uh, but you can you can then say, okay, that's out in the cloud. I just want to download it and it'll download it. But it's sort of frustrating that you've now got to download these tracks over, you know, your your Wi-Fi bandwidth or your 3G bandwidth uh, onto your onto your device. But but it works. There is a trick, though, if you know that there's music you're going to want out there before you enable iTunes match on your iOS device, do a sync and copy the music. And then when you enable iTunes match, the music that was on there stays on there. It will take a little while. If you turn on iTunes match and immediately run to the music app, things are going to look funky for a little while because you're you're going to kind of see it in its transition phase so give it about an hour and then it and then it uh, it usually is fine however i have found a couple of songs and i don't know why this is but i found songs that i synced over previously they're in the cloud i can play them from the cloud however they will not play on the device that they were synced to initially until i delete them and make it re-download them and to delete this is it's what you would expect and it does not delete from the cloud. It only deletes from the device. You just swipe across like you would a mail message or something like that. The little delete button shows up, hit delete. The de- The song will stay there. And then it turns into a it's got a little cloud icon that you can hit to start the download again. And uh, and then you're good to go. So so that's the that's the trick I found out. For the most part, it's been working OK, much better than than my initial attempt with it. But, uh, so I, I, yeah, I mean, it's, I've had it for less than a week, so, and I haven't really been out and traveling with it. So I haven't gotten the full benefit of being able to, you know, sync without syncing kind of thing. But, uh, but, you know, I, I like it this time around. So you you going to check it out, John, or no, I don't
2: know. You know, I, I dove in, dove into the iCloud migration and, uh, probably shouldn't. So, so I think I'm going <laughs> to, you're waiting on this, huh? Well, oh, the thing is, uh, right now my my music life is simple. I have my library on my mini on yep. iTunes, and I have an iPod Touch, and and pretty much all my music fits on there. And I really, uh, I'm okay with that setup. I, I don't really have a, a a burning desire to have all my music in the cloud and being able to listen to it anywhere. So, yeah, pretty much the only time I rock out is uh, you know, with my uh, A fives at home. Well, there you go. Or playing the radio in the car. You know, you've heard of these things. AM FM radio. Yeah. 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 They still make those. <laughs> well, when I bought my car, they did. <laughs> That's awesome. And it's still got a cassette deck. Get that. Yeah. I do. You know, I, I, I still, that they do still make those. I do want to, I think they're still out there. I don't think they're actively being made or not in high quantities, but uh, they still have the uh, iPod. Uh, Cause my stereo was, you know, the, Basic model, and it doesn't have a line in or anything in, but um, I still think they make these converters that will output the the data to a
0: cassette interface, and then you can play your iPod. Using they do, that. yeah, they definitely do. Yeah. All right, how are we doing on time here? Let's see, we're thirty at six. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's go to Dave, and let's see what Dave has mm. to say. Dave's not here, man.
3: Hello, guys. Dave Cook here. Talk starts. Um try to be quick. I have a question and looking uh, for some advice. I had a little bit of a disaster last week. Um, I'm, a, I'm an audio engineer and I was doing some remote remote recording with my purple rig. And uh, I have been using, for uh, my remote stuff, I've been using the C rugged drives, the little orange guys. And I had a 500 gig uh, firewire drive. But I've this particular drive I've had for probably about four months and been great, no problem. Uh, and I was using that to track and I um, went to go back up the next day, uh, back up the session. And uh, as a, to what well, uh, let's see, it's just this big old um, I forget what it is, I think it's the Western digital, so that, you know, relatively inexpensive. I've drop at a at a gig and a half. And then I also have another one of those that I do carbon copy clone or two. So I'm I'm kind of a backup freak, and everything's very safe. Um, so anyway, but with this, I was in the midst of a backup, and I don't know. I can't tell you exactly what happened, but I, w- I know that I was uh, kind of moving some things around uh, at my work area where I was set up, and. I must have hit a power cord or a fireware because when I looked, I had the dreaded, you know, uh, uh device was unmounted properly or whatever the, whatever that message is, which you see a lot when you unplug before unmounting. And generally, I haven't lost any data when that's happened. So I went to go, um, I went to go, uh, uh, see what, exactly what was going on and try to finish the backup. The backup was about three quarters finished. Um, and uh I got spinning beach balls and nothing was really happening. So I waited a couple of minutes, still nothing was happening, so I did I couldn't even shut down, so I did a hard shutdown by holding the power button on my laptop uh my MacBook Pro. Okay, so then when everything came back up again, uh the let's see came up with the dreaded the other dreaded window saying, uh I can't be read, which likes to initialize. So I went to freak mode. Um uh luckily what I lost was a rehearsal and an alternate um, uh, day of recording alternate takes uh, from the actual shows that I was that I was tracking but still not good um, so and- all
0: right so uh, he goes on to say that he he tried Disc Warrior that failed uh, and 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 then ask of course what are the other options so yeah in, in case it wasn't clear he lost the the drive that he was backing up from they were both external drives and uh, and and it is odd it is rare rather i should say uh, that pulling the power from a drive during a read operation which is what he was going through would cause this kind of damage but it is possible it is not odd it is simply rare uh, so this can happen and and it is a risk that you know backing up a drive actually puts it in a state where it it is you know, subject to having having some some file system corruption. Now, it's important to note disc warrior. Is a fantastic utility. It would be my first line of defense for something like this. But what it does is it completely recreates the directory structure on the drive based on what it finds on the disk. I, I've explained this before, but for the benefit of, of perhaps new listeners and and really all of us out there. Uh, The data on your hard drive, the way I like to explain it is you've got all the data that's out there all over the hard drive and then you have a table of contents and and that table of contents is what we call the file system. Right. That's where it keeps track of everything that you've got uh, and where it lays on the drive. So. Your data on the drive doesn't know that it's in a folder labeled important stuff, right? It's just a it's just a a bunch of data and it doesn't know that it's related to other data on the drive. That's what the file system is for. That's what this table of contents is is for. And that is what often becomes damaged. And without that, you don't know what you've got out there. Uh, So Disc Warrior can rebuild that. Uh, but it doesn't try to fix it and and that is a it doesn't try to repair it it tries to rebuild it and that that's an important distinction because uh, there are other utilities out there disk utility for example uh will try to repair that but not rebuild it and then uh, drive genius from prosoft actually will allow you to do either it will try and, re- and repair mm-hmm. it or try and rebuild it so uh even though disk warrior didn't work I wouldn't give up hope that you can't re, re, uh, re uh, repair the file system. It, it may be irreparable. Uh, in, in which case you've got to, you, you and he, he said he looked into some, uh, data recovery companies. He did not mention the one that I would always go with, which is total recall or drive savers. Either one of those is, uh, drive savers. I've seen, at nearly every show I've been
2: to the, and yeah. they, you know, that they, I think, have a good track record and they show all the, the terrible destroyed, you know, right. charred machines that they've been able to get data off of. Um, to add to what you said, though, I think it's important. I think he mentioned at one point that one of the errors he got was something about a B tree. Yeah. And that's a, a binary tree. We're not going to get into a computer science uh, course here, but it's it's a portion of what we're going to call or I think you call it the directory, Dave. The, ta- the table of contents. The B tree is part of that table of contents. That's OK. Right. Yeah. All right so, right, so you got one part of the drive that's describing what's stored on it, and then you have the data itself. Right. And I think the, the the two main strategies, I think, are try to repair the table of contents or the directory or the B tree. Or, and then this is the only thing I'd add here, is try to get something... Um, data rescue, I think, takes another approach. Is I don't think it concerns it's, uh, itself so much with the directory or the table of contents. It scours the drive looking for... Things that appear to be file-like and tries to recover data in in that respect.
0: Yep, that, and that that would have been my my final. Oh, okay. Thought. No, no, it's perfect because yeah, yeah. Uh, again, from Prosoft, Data Rescue would be the thing to try before sending it off to Drive Savers or Total Recall or one of those places. For what I get- call,
2: I think they have a, a limited demo that's free that will I think. I'm not sure if it'll recover or I think it'll recover maybe one file, but it'll, it'll give you confidence that it's doing what it's doing. Now, of course you're going to lose the names of the file, but it'll identify things that look file like, and then from that point you can, you can try to, to work with them.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, no, it's, um, and you know, the, the good news, and this is only good news right up until the point where you have to pull out your wallet. Uh, the good news is that a place like drive savers or, or total recall or any of these others, likely we'll be able to get your data off the drive. I mean, I think they have a 99% plus success rate. They also have a, uh, they they have a lot of <laughs> overhead. And, and so it's usually going to cost you, you know, somewhere in the four figure range to get that data back uh, and potentially more, potentially less, but, but don't be surprised if your number is somewhere, you know, close to or North of a thousand bucks to uh to get that data they've got to take the drive apart in a in a you know very clean environment right and, right and they, they actually take the platters out of your hard drive and mount them in another drive that can read them but in your case i don't think the the hardware is damaged i i think it's i think it's the the directory structure and and so there might be better ways in fact you know if you send it to drive savers they may not take it apart at all so mm-hmm. Mm. All right, Uh, let's move on. Was there more on that, John? Or are are we good? No, you know, I'm still scratching my head over. I guess uh, all I can say is that any drive can fail at any time. Well, that's true. Oh, yeah, sure. It could be a bad drive or it could be a drive gone bad. But chances are it's not. Uh, Chances are it's just corrupt. Yeah, I'm just still scratching my head over why
2: a drive being read from just suddenly decided to roll over. And I guess, well, it didn't suddenly
0: decide he pulled power from it while it was being read. Oh.
2: Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, you know, that's weird though. I mean, uh, being written to that, that would concern me being read. I mean, you're reading, you're not changing. Yeah. Anything, but the but heads, the heads well, are
0: right there. It, it It's yeah. like I said, it's not, it could still traumatize it. It, yeah. it can still traumatize it. That's right. Yep. Yep. Uh, Okay, let's uh, let's move on to David. David has uh, an interesting question, John. I'm curious to hear your response to this. David <laughs> writes, right. uh, "I just got a new. Wait, what did he what did he get here? A new MacBook Pro, 15 inch, quad core i7, and it comes with an SD card slot. What I want to know is, what are some of the wonderful and creative ways one can use this slot other than to store pictures, John." Because I'm curious about this, too. My iMac's got one, and so does... I guess my MacBook Air does not, right? My 11-inch Air doesn't have an SD card. I think that's the, the one thing it doesn't have in terms you of... You know that. what? So go. Tell tell us. Enlighten us. Oh,
2: dear friend. I got a tale of joy and then a tale of woe. Yeah. Okay. The good news is that some smart people... So so SD, for the most part, is to access memory cards called Secure Digital or Secure Digital XC, Extended Capacity. Okay. And that, for the most part, I think, is what most people use an SD card for. I, I have the, uh, you know, the iFi and my camera. And, and I think that's what most people use it for, is either file storage or, or in their digital camera. Okay. Now, the thing is, is some smart people. So here's the good news, and then I'll tell you the bad news. The thing is, some people came out with a really cool build on SD called SDIO. And I even looked this up on Wik, uh, uh, Wikipedia and uh, boy, you know, there. And, and I've seen some of these, Dave, and you may have actually seen some of these too. So I, I remember one trade show that I went to, I saw someone with a, um, I don't know if it was Macworld, uh, but it doesn't matter. And they were using a PDA, uh, not an Apple PDA, but, a, you know, I think a compact or something. And they were scanning people's RFID tags. Oh, that's using cool. Using a little... SD device, and I'm like, oh well, that's weird. You're putting that in the SD slot, isn't that interesting? I only thought that was for memory cards. And they're like, yeah, it's it's pretty neat. So rather than reading a barcode, which you know are problematic, sometimes they they would hold this RFID reader up to your badge, which had a chip embedded, and it would go bink, and and then they knew you you attended the session. That was great, and so, and so that's the good news. And and there's so many things that are available for SDIO, uh, GPS, modems, barcode readers. Radio tuners, RFID readers, like I mentioned. You know, uh, wireless adapters. It's awesome. Here's the bad news. At least according to Apple's uh, support article here about their SD support. Article HT3553. Can I use STIO cards? And sadly, their answer is No very nice doesn't that suck there because, is good news know, can i i want to me, I wanna read i want to read their response here well i uh, gotta say the disappointment to me is that w- when they took away express card and put in sd i'm like boy that's a lame move because you went from something that had the potential to to talk to all sorts of devices to something that's pretty much relegated to, to reading memory cards and and unfortunately they they I don't know whether it's a driver maybe they, maybe there is a way if anybody knows but to me I think it, it's more a driver thing than the physical connector because all these devices use an SD connector so I don't think I don't think it's electrical I think it's just Apple chose not to provide the drivers to enable these SDIO
0: devices interesting I'm sorry go no 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 it's it's too late now I won't read it we'll let people read it you want me to read it fine uh it the, the answer is no period. Although SDIO cards are within the width and thickness specifications and should not damage the slot if inserted they will not be recognized by the computer. So that I think that speaks to your your point. So yeah.
2: Well, I think what's happening is at some point it's probably telling whatever it's plugged into, "Hey, I can do this." And Apple chose to say, "Yeah, I don't care." Yeah, that's not uh, the question is moot. All right. Uh, so it's uh, too bad. So so not on a Mac, unfortunately. Not on a Mac. That's right which um, I, I hate to say that, but, but now, uh, so yeah, so express card or Thunderbolt are, are your, are your options.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, Th- yeah, Thunderbolt's a good option if you've got it on your rack. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's, it's still up and coming in my opinion. Well, right. I'm not it, seeing a lot for it. Right. Technologically, it's a good option. It, 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 oh, sure. use case wise, it's useless at the moment or mostly useless. That's right. All right, let's uh let's dive into follow-ups. We are one question that we're skipping here but we will post on the site um is uh we 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 talked to listener Joe. Uh he said he was having a problem and you'll understand why we're going to post this on the site. Uh listener Joe asked, "How can I every time I quit terminal on my Mac and relaunch it?" And now that I'm in Lion with Mac OS X's restore feature, it puts all my stuff right back there on the screen. And uh, and and he said, how do I stop having that happen? I want to start a terminal session and have it come up with a empty terminal window. And and Joe, of course, was right. It's it's Lion's resume feature. And there is a way to turn this off on an application by application <sighs> basis but it's a big long terminal command that you're not going to remember if I tell you, so I'm not going to bother going through the, uh, the, the pain of explaining this to you. Cause it's got different uh, caps and non caps and hyphens and all kinds of crazy things and spaces spaces scare me. But anyway, uh, the, the trick is you can, and if you know about this command for other apps, you can issue it for the terminal. The trick is you have to use the terminal to issue the command. So therefore mm-hmm. the terminals preferences do not get updated, uh, Immediately, you'll issue the command and then you quit terminal and then you launch terminal and it'll still do the same thing. But now the change is taking effect because you're not inside terminal issuing the command. Once you've done that, then you quit again. And the next time you launch, it comes up blank. So you just need to do a double quit on terminal. And of course, you can't quit something twice without relaunching it in the middle. So, hey, you got to do that, too. So, uh, but we will, we will put that out there uh, on a, as a Mac geek answers article. So, so now John, we had uh, a couple of questions, you know, we, we talked about email and it was very popular. Uh, I think, I think we struck a chord here, John email management. I'm digging it. I am so happy with my new setup and uh,
2: especially some of the tweaks that I made, which uh, I don't know if we should mention those. You can mention tweaks, of course. Well, especially about inboxes. Remember, remember we had an inbox query.
0: Mm. We did. You mean about a non-inbox query, right? The guy that wanted to manage uh, to watch the well, you know, mailbox.
2: Uh, I'm just going to spit
0: it out here. So,
2: so the thing was, so you, uh, you, you chastised me, I believe, because I, I went down a path that didn't sound reasonable. But then, and I, I don't have his name in front of me, but one, one of one of my Twitter followers. Um, got back to me saying, uh, so normally I think what you brought up, Dave, is that normally only your inbox on an iDevice, only stuff in your inboxes is is capable of doing a push and letting you know that it's there. Correct. Yes. Unless, and this I think is only specific to, uh, to iDevices and Gmail is that Gmail can either be set up as an IMAP account, in which case... Yes, you are correct. You're entirely correct that you will only get notifications if the inbox is updated. However, you can also connect to your Gmail account as an exchange account. And the cool part is that exchange allows you to define multiple mail folders or inboxes for push notification. And I verified this and you and I went back and forth about this. Right. So, so this Answers the question we had before. So the question was, can I get things other than my inbox to, to do a push notification on my iDevice? And the answer is yes, if you're using Gmail and you set it up as an exchange account.
0: Makes sense. Yeah, that's right. And 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 this is true of any exchange account. So Gmail only on iOS devices is capable of being accessed as an exchange account. You cannot access it that way from your Mac Uh, Or your Windows machine, but your iOS device can, and then it comes with these features. That's right. Um, So that thrilled me because right now, I I think as we discussed,
2: I have both my uh, old ISP forwarded to Gmail, but I also have my Mac Observer. And so what I did is I basically selected those two folders because I'd like to know if I get email on either one of those. And now my iDevice will show in the little badge there. It'll show if I get a new email there, it'll update the count on that badge there, which I think was was the intent of of the original question is I want to know if something's arriving in in more than one inbox.
0: Okay, so now I'm now I'm curious because I've. I tried setting up as an exchange account years and years ago when I first started doing this and it was a big pain in the neck and I hated it. So, and, and it was like duplicating mail for me on my device and it was crazy. So I, I didn't, um, I, I went back into the iMac IMAP route and I've been really happy with it. So I have a couple of questions for you. So you are now managing your iOS device is managing your main email at least, or perhaps your only email uh, as an exchange account. Is that correct? Correct.
2: So if okay. I go to Settings, Mail, Contacts, and Calendars, yep, Accounts, it will show Exchange. Yeah, right. Okay, for both Mail and Calendars. Okay, and so- then if I go to the configuration screen, so so then if I dig one deeper, it'll then say Mail Folders. To right. Push, and that's where you can select one or more mail folders on the Gmail account in which you will get a push
0: notification. Okay. So stay there because I'm curious about this. So, mm-hmm. um, what are the folders in your list that you have available to push? You've got ah. in. Okay. So yeah. Well, read, here's read, the, read me down the list. Yeah. Okay. Well,
2: here's, well, here, here's the bad news is that the, uh, so whereas if you set it up as IMAP, you can hide folders here. It shows all of them. Okay. So, so even the, inbox sent items, trash. I got one for, for my Mac world. Gmail and under that all mail spam starred Apple mail to do deleted
0: messages. My old ISP uh, Mac observer. Okay, so that's to, that's so enough. Sh- that, that's enough. So the all mail folder is still being pushed to your device, which is something that I think is really stupid because. It, the,
2: well, it, it's
0: it's everything. Well, the thing is,
2: I'm uh, I, I understand that it, it's displaying it
0: in the configuration,
2: but I don't see it in my list of inboxes. No, it's not an inbox.
0: But but it it the problem yeah, with that I, all I
2: think I know what you're saying is that yeah it, it's showing uh, because I'm not using IMAP it's showing me all the folders that are defined in my Gmail account which right but even
0: if you're using IMAP you you want to turn that all mail folder off which you can do like you said for IMAP you cannot do for Exchange the problem with the all mail folder is it it, it it's the roots of this problem are in the way Gmail manages mail there are no such thing as folders in it, it at gmail everything is a label and when you talk about things in terms of labels well then things can have multiple labels and and that's okay it's still just one message but when you when you and what what gmail has done for their exchange implementation and for their imap implementation is they have said labels equal folders and this is where it gets crazy because you can have things with multiple labels and one message And the all mail box duplicates everything. Everything in your inbox is also in all mail. Everything in your archive box is also in all mail. Everything in your, you said you had a Macworld box is also in all mail. That's fine at gmail.com. It's actually fine on your iOS device because unless you go to that all mail folder, it will not load the contents of it. Where it is a problem is on your Mac and if you're connecting to Gmail on your Mac, obviously you can't do exchange. You have to do IMAP. <laughs> right. But make sure you go into Gmail on the web first and disable that all mail <gasps> right, folder right, right. from showing up in IMAP. Otherwise, anytime you search for mail or anything, you're going to have at least, potentially more than two copies yeah. of every message. It's a big pain in the neck. So no, that's a good point. Yeah.
2: It's a good point. So, so where does the exchange thing make sense on an iDevice? Yeah, no, you bring up a, a very good point that... Yeah. Cuz yeah, because actually I do the same thing. I I access it as IMAP on my Mac, but as Exchange on my iDevice because I wanted to get those multiple push notifications from from different yeah, folders a, or as you point out labels.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to check but that it, out. Uh, that it, it, how more? how has it been for battery life for you? Uh Okay. 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 All right. So you didn't notice any big difference going from IMAP to the Gmail Exchange thing, huh?
2: Not really, though I've been, um, well, the thing I've been, uh, the, though actually I've been charging my battery as of late because I've, I've been doing the Waze thing. Uh, oh, that'll burn um, your battery anyway. Yeah, right. Well, not if I have it in my uh, my Magellan uh, right. Pro right. Car Kit that has the charger in it. Right, right. But it's really kind of neat. Now, Waze is, uh, we mentioned this, but I, I'm, I'm digging it. So, so pretty much anytime I get in the car, if I have a moment, I'll hook it up. But it, it, it's so neat that it's a crowdsourced traffic uh, alerting system. Yeah, that's cool. Well, the fun part is, you know, so say you're driving by the highway and you see a, uh, a law enforcement uh, official. Yes. Well, you can, um, you know, not not saying you should be fiddling with your iDevice, but you can no. very quickly. Well, no, though th- th- the interface makes it good or if you're stopped in traffic. So, so you know, if, if you do it safely, you hit a button, say report police. Yes. OK. Yeah. All right. Like the other day I was driving along and there was a and there some something fell off some guy's truck. So you know, I was driving along and then you know, looked around and basically hit one button, obstruction in road, done. Ah,
0: it It's really good. quick. That's good.
2: It's a neat little app. Yeah. Oh gosh.
0: All right. Uh let's move on to tips. I think we've covered all the the mail stuff. We had a couple of questions about it, but I think we've sort of gone through most of this here, so that's uh um, that's good. So, uh moving on to James James actually has kind of a tip and an answer back in in show three seventy we talked about um Michael Johnston having an issue of iTunes automatically moving music off of his drobo and onto the root level of his hard drive and uh James says regarding that problem uh, in my case it was moving music and music video files out of a library located on an external drive so very similar setup to to what Michael had. Uh, He says, although I didn't troubleshoot why this was occurring, I noticed that the artists of the files being moved all had special characters in their names. Uh, And he he, he cites pink as an example with P exclamation point NK. Uh, he says, my solution was to replace the special characters in the artist name with standard characters. After doing this, I haven't had any issues. So that's very interesting that iTunes on an external drive mm, that, uh, you know, I, maybe it has some more to do with OS 10s, you know, mapping of the file system than anything else. But, uh, but yeah, having an exclamation point in there, that's interesting. So. Thank you for sharing that, James. That's a, that's a, that's interesting advice and good troubleshooting in a general sense. I, I, I've, I've seen I, very rarely, but I've seen issues where people with, that have funny names in their hard drive name or funny characters mm-hmm. in their hard drive, uh, have all kinds of weird problems. And I've, I actually had a friend, he asked me to look at his computer and of course I didn't look at the hard drive name. It's not something I ever think about and we didn't, couldn't think of it. And he brought it to the genius bar and instantly this you know this this girl at the Genius Bar said, "Oh, here's your problem. Your hmm. hard drive's got this funny name and and it was like his cat hmm. had walked on his keyboard and renamed his hard drive, so Bleh. it had all these funny characters. You know, and as soon as he changed it, all his problems went away. So, um, so that's good. Watch out for funny characters. Do we Watch have, out for cats. Uh, John, you have uh you you had a an interesting little story to tell. So, so I can condense this. So, so my printer adventure.
2: Yeah, yeah, this is good. Yeah, go. All right. So, um. A while ago i got uh, uh my sister and i wait
0: Remember and are, my sister you're john braun correct okay doing, uh, i remember that
2: podcast yes <laughs> okay. i do but i uh, well, i'm giving you the backstory you don't care about the backstory okay oh. <laughs> you want me to just drill down i'm gonna drill down okay i i came across some ink cartridges hp ink cartridges okay uh, but they they were uh, and they were they were very similar to the ones that are in my current printer. So I have a HP B eighty five fifty. It's a really nice inkjet printer, and why I like it is because it can print up to thirteen by nineteen. And I like to print my own photos and frame them and have them in the house for, for people to marvel at. Um, uh, so I, I came across a, a, a supply of these uh, cartridges that looked identical, but they had a different model number. So my printer takes five sixty four cartridges these were 920s and i looked at them and i'm like they're the same so i took one of these that i came across and and pulled one out of my printer put in this 920 it it fit perfectly and and it looked identical same form factor so i'm like oh wow i just came across some free ink then i fired up my printer and it said up oh, i'm sorry this is the wrong model ink cartridge for this printer i'm like you got to be kidding me you guys are evil really now Yes. Now, looking at these again, Dave, if you looked at these two ink cartridges, they are identical. It's CYMK. It's, it's you know, different. Uh, everything is the same. The color, the form factor. It's just it's a different model number. So I'm like, OK, I'm going to beat you guys. So well, how can the printer possibly know that it's a different model number? Is it reading the cartridge? Well, yes, it is. And how is it doing this? You may ask. Well, there's a little chip on the ink cartridge. Right. Now, one may think, gee, you know what? You know, I wonder what would happen if I took the chip on one of the ink cartridges that works, maybe pry it off carefully, maybe uh, being careful because it is a little mini circuit board, and then putting it on the other cartridge and see what happens. And you know what happened? What? It works just great, <laughs>
0: dude. That's awesome. Oh yeah, man! You is, did it. You beat the, the system. Is,
2: now the thing is, now I did. There was some uh, uh, battle damage here. Is that one of the ones that I experimented with? I did uh, flex the circuit board too much and broke one of the traces. So you got to be careful if you're going to pry this chip off of certain cartridges, not to use too much force because it, it's somewhat fragile. But but then the other thing that I started freaking out about was so one of the cartridges that I had that um. So one of them I broke, I broke the chip and I had none okay. left. So then I went to my local uh, office supply store and I had some uh, credits because I bring them my empty cartridges and I, and I got some compatible ones that they had. Okay. I'm like, Oh, cool. Now the only thing is that these, the, the only thing is that the printer will whine about them maybe being empty because the thing is they start the counter when, when they're new and then it counts down and sometimes it'll keep annoying you with these messages. So I got one of the compatible ones and I put it in and it's like, up. Oh, I don't recognize this cartridge. Something's wrong with it. It's broken. And I'm like, oh, man, I totally destroyed my printer. Oh, I shouldn't have done this. Now, what happened is apparently some of these remanufactured remanufactured cartridges um, are, are not of the highest quality. That junk
0: is what they are.
2: But no, what happened is uh, so it, it uses leak. this. Uh, I've never had a leaking problem, but basically, so I took one of the, the thing is I got two of them. So I got two of the magenta ones. The thing is one I put in the printer said, I don't see an ink cartridge in this slot. Something's very wrong here. And that's, mm. that was the same experience I had when I broke the trace on the chip on the one that I experimented with. And I'm like, Oh, well, you know what? Let, let me take the other one. And I put it in and it said, "Up, oh, everything's cool. So you may be low on ink on this one. Cool. What happened it, uh, is I had purchased one that was defective. I went to the store, which is right down the street from me. And they, they were more that they were like, I'm like, yeah, uh, my printer says this is broken. They're like, Oh, 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 I'm sorry, sir. And they were <laughs> like, "Almost." Over. well, the thing is they know that the, these are probably one's, like the ones I bring in that are of questionable quality and they refill them with ink and they hope they work. And if they don't, they're more than happy to exchange them. So, yeah. so so I got to shake my fist a bit at HP because uh, again, these are identical. It's C Y M K. It, it,
0: it's C M Y K. But, but who's counting? That's just me being anal retentive. It's okay.
2: Yeah, but but it, it, the thing is, it's the same ink technology, same form factor. Why do you have two different model numbers for what, as far as, and, and looking at the print quality, I see no difference in the, the, the pigment or, or anything. They're just doing it to make dough. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course they are. That's but the- why create something in the same form factor <laughs> Dude, with different model numbers so one works in one... Yeah, but to me, that's just uh, to me. That's creating unnecessary unnecessary complexity. Is that both? And and the printer is is one that I uh, the, uh, we bought from my mom. The thing is, it takes the same form factor ink cartridge. Why wouldn't you want to simplify your your manufacturing operation? Or do they want it so that uh, I can't share ink cartridges? I oh, guess no, they do. No,
0: no. That's crazy. That's
2: crazy. Uh, are, you. are you in a? Uh, 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 we're, we're running. Uh, uh, do you have any inkjet printers, Dave? Yeah,
0: I've got one of them. I mean, house. what? What's I mean, do you? Do you buy the new ones? Do you buy the remanufactured? Do you refill them? I mean, what do do you No, I don't buy the remanufactured stuff, which, which is a lesson. I mean, you heard me ranting about it, but it's a lesson I learned from, you had some leak. I've, I've had really bad laser printer toner cartridges. I'm talking ink. Yeah, I know. I know. But I've, I've stayed away from the remanufactured anything when it comes to a printer, simply because of that. Um, and I have, yeah, I've, I've seen clients that have had big problems with them. So, and like you said, you know, about 30% of them don't work. And it's a you know it's a big it's a big problem. But what I do uh, do I don't buy uh, you know direct from the manufacturer's website. I'll hunt around on Amazon or inkjets for less or you, you know what, what two for okay. one inkjet that kind of you know I'll find them somewhere. Uh, but but you're totally getting screwed. I mean it you know this printer that I have at the house I bought for twenty dollars a year ago. It's got a scanner. It's an HP. Oh I don't remember what it is. It's an HP something or other. And it's got a scanner in it and a printer and, it, you know, it, it looks really good. Um, and it cost me 20 bucks like last November when I was hunting for uh, it's a, late, a DeskJet 1040J410 or 1050 mm-hmm. rather. But uh, but the first time I had to buy ink for it was like 30 bucks. So it's like, wow, I should have bought two printers and just thrown the, the other printer away and taken the ink cartridges out of the box. That's crazy.
1: That's crazy. <laughs> I should have just filled up my car with printers. Well, they do, <laughs> oh, they, they do. they do. sell you? I don't know if you know. When you get a new printer, they they only give you like demo cartridge. Yeah, starter. Yeah, they're I start saw that too. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, they last special. two
0: days. <laughs> now the other <laughs> thing I've seen—they're seen per- forty years old—and right.
2: they'll last you two days at best. Now the the other thing that I've seen, and I may want to invest in this. Though though so far I've been happy with the remanufactured or refilled because I think mostly what they do is they drill a hole in these and they put in yeah. equivalent. You can do that yourself
0: ink. too, if you're really into it. But really then I've seen these
2: other systems that uh, I'm not, I, I don't print that much to to justify this, but I've seen these continuous feed systems where right. you basically replace the ink cartridges with this ink pump system. Right. right. And uh, but I was just so happy that I I stuck it to the man yeah, and was able awesome. to pry the chip off. And as far as the printer was concerned, because I saw in each of the ink cartridge spaces was a four conductor thing that read the chip, oh, and that's, that's how good. it knew. Oh, it's not a nine twenty. It's a it, it, this is a chi- this is a cartridge that I'm going to refuse to use, even though technically I can. And I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs>
0: All right. uh, Back in show 361, we talked about an app that we found that would rotate uh, that would allow you to rotate the screen of your MacBook Air or really any Mac so that you could use it in like more of a book reading, you know, landscape format. Well, Will sent in this little note and he said uh, you can rotate the screen on any Mac by going into system preferences, then hold down alt or option and command simultaneously two buttons down while you click on the displays icon. And when you do that, a new option shows up called rotation and you can set it away from standard to any one of the other four other three edges of the screen. So there you go. And he said this works in both Snow Leopard and in Lion Uh, and it should work on any monitor that is internal to your Mac and possibly even some of those
1: external. Yep. Pete, did did it work on your air or were you, uh, I thought you were having, Oh yeah, no, I I finally got it. I just, uh, you know, it is is a little tricky. You've got to launch system preferences,
0: then hold down command and option, then click on displays and Uh, it will show up.
2: Yeah. Okay. Cause I thought it was dependent on either the video driver or the chipset or I guess not.
1: No. This used to be universal for Macs, but yeah. I, I don't know what for the first time I opened system and preferences it didn't come up right, but the yeah. second time it, it came right up. Now you got to so get used to the
2: uh orientation
1: yeah, shift and then, then
2: getting your mouse to And then if you, you well, <laughs> or touchpad, yeah, unless unless you're really uh good in in spatial You uh, have to confirm it. Right. Because, yes, or yeah. it
1: goes back to, it goes to back. normal because I was not fast enough to say, yeah, go back. On, and, and then <laughs> but then as you saw, I mean, you're... I like to think I'm pretty spatially uh, competent, you know, being a yeah. pilot and all But, but yeah. what was up was <laughs> left <laughs> and right, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah.
2: I
0: know. Mean, hey, Pete not does pretty yet. well here. We've got him talking and he's hearing himself just like I hear myself on about a 30 millisecond, maybe 40 millisecond delay.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a good thing I'm slow. Is that what you're
0: saying? <laughs> you've never picked up on it or you Okay, so that was really funny. Here I was talking about the delay because of the way we have the podcast thing set up, and it was it's like, man, these gremlins and these computers they know how to get me at exactly uh, the right time. It was at exactly that point in time uh that the whole system started echoing a loop on me. We lost John on skype we uh all Pete and I could hear in our ears was my my the last thing I said for about you know a, a quarter second just echoing and echoing. John, you are back, yes. I'm back. Okay, good. Well, I never <laughs> went away. Ooh, first. Well, you that good. Yes, right. But, uh, yeah, as far as the listeners are concerned, <laughs> that's right. Well, yeah, this was sort of interesting. All right. Uh, we have one last comment to play, which I hope will, uh, make it and then, uh, and then we'll, and then we'll fade on out into the sunset here together. So I will cue up this comment momentarily from David.
4: Hello, John and Dave. This is David, amateur radio call sign AA6RV, based in Southern California. On MacGeekab 370 you mentioned you didn't become amateur radio operators, partially based on the fact that you love the internet. Well, I'm here to tell you that the amateur radio community is well and alive with both radio and the internet. Back in 2001, the Japanese Amateur Radio League defined an open specification called DSTAR, which stands for Digital Smart Technology for Amateur Radio, that has been very successful in involving and growing to over 20,000 users worldwide. DSTAR basically transmits both voice and data simultaneously in a digitally encapsulated message over the airwaves through radio transmission or via network technology to include the Internet, thereby allowing long-distance communications between ham radio operators via the internet and the amateur radio. You guys got me into the Mac, which I am internally grateful, and finally see the errors to the Microsoft way. After all, it wasn't Moses who finally got the tablets correct, it was Steve Jobs. (laughs) But I have a challenge for you, too. If you guys become ham radio operators and make contact with me via D-Star with your own license call sign, which basically means you have to get your ham radio license, in this case, I hope you do finally get caught. I will become a premier member myself. I've always supported you guys by purchasing stuff from your sponsors, and i got to be honest with you. Nothing beats those audio engineer speakers. Guys, happy holidays, and this is where you could cut me off.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, I'm not sure if I'll ever wind up with the time to get my ham license, but only because I've got uh, other things on the old priorities. Well, there. you know. But I might. I, it's possible. Well, well, apparently you can get a no-code license, right? No? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah but well, that was the thing that? that? Tri- That's not... I mean, Morse code's not that hard. That's not the issue. Not for me.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, neither is, you know, breaking out the buggy whip. If you want your... Uh Oh. Transport to move faster. Come on.
0: So he talked about the premium version of Gab. John. Premium allows you, beloved listener, to get an Me? extra. Well, yeah, you can buy it, too. Uh, an extra two episodes per month. Plus access to all the archives, plus that warm, fuzzy feeling that only you can get, only by supporting your two favorite geeks. And you can do that at MacGeekGab.com, and it's only $25 for six months. Again, two extra episodes every month, all the archives, everything twenty five bucks every six months. So we'd certainly appreciate having what a deal. you join us. You there. know, you might as well start New Year off right and That's right. Just, just go and buy one. In fact, go subscribe right now. We're gonna record a premium show on Thursday and you'll get that uh, you'll get all the ones that we've already recorded, of course, but uh, but then you'll you'll get the uh, the new one coming up this Thursday. And then after Thursday the schedule's gonna be a little bit funky next week only because I'm at, uh, at CES. Ugh. We are going to try and schedule a recording while I'm out there because, uh, because we've done well with that with, uh, with previous I'll, I'll have to help so. you next year. I, I just... Uh, yeah. You CES. can go instead of me next year. That sounds great. Listen, right. Las Vegas during crazy trade show like CES, it's yeah. like totally overloaded, bursting at the seams. You can't yeah, get anywhere. I guess I could use pain that. Pain in the neck. It's a big pain in the neck. But anyway, I'll be out there. All right. Uh, But if you want to contact us otherwise, you can email feedback at MacGeekCab.com. And I'm almost positive I heard you right, Dave, in that you said
2: feedback at (laughs) MacGeekCab.com.
0: Dot com. That's right. So feedback at MacGeekUp.com. You send your emails. You send your uh, text uh, text based emails. You can send uh, voice. You can uh, use the voice recorder on your iPhone or iPod to uh, create a memo and then send that via email. You can send screenshots. You can send. You can videos. send schematics for a
2: three D model of what you think your problem. No. You sure you
0: could? Hey, we'll take it. We take all kinds. But if you want to call us, <laughs> you can call 206 666 Geek, which John is 4335. But uh, there, there are so many ways to reach
2: us, Dave. It's just ridiculous. Another way is this, uh, this crazy Facebook thing that, that all the kids seem to be into. Facebook.com slash, you guessed it,
0: MacGeekGab. And you can join our Facebook community. Yeah, like us over there, even facebook.com slash macgeekgab you can also find us twitter.com slash macgeekgab for the show and individually we're all on twitter him as John F. Braun, him as Pilot Pete me as Dave Hamilton and you can visit all the show notes there over at macgeekgab.com we would love to thank Michael Johnston for converting this show and most of the other shows into AAC I think the last one didn't get converted that was my fault Cashfly provides the band with cashfly.com a2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebone Software, Text Expander from SmileSoftware.com, and Gazelle.com for all your old news electronics in the factory media podcast marketplace. Folks, have a happy new year. Come join us on Premium. We'll see you on Thursday. And until then, don't get caught.